<laughs> okay. Um, welcome to Flock Tales, where we drink and talk about birds mostly. I'm Jen Schneiderman. I'm Kristen Brunk. I'm Maya Pershi. And I'm Ashley Ola. And we are your four resident bird nerds. And this is actually, I realized just the second that this is two celebration episodes in a row where we're celebrating our 21st birthday or 21st episode birthday episode. <laughs> and then Taylor Swift is what we're celebrating this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can have too many celebrations. <laughs> That's true. We can't, you can never have too many celebrations. <laughs> I stand by this choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in honor of feeling 22, like Taylor Swift, Ooh. we're talking about Swifts this episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just how our brains work. Wait, okay, but oh. do you think that Taylor Swift has a favorite bird? Um, Ooh, that's ah. a good question. If we were true Swifties, we'd probably already know. We probably would. <laughs> Doesn't know. she have a cat? Like, she has cats, and didn't she name mm-hmm. them, yeah. one of them after the, oh, what's her name from Law and Order? Oh. Is it, uh, wait, like Mariska Haggerty? Yeah. Dude, oh! she's such a badass. Yeah. That's about all I know about Taylor Swift and animals. Mm. I think if she had a favorite bird, it would clearly be Swifts. Obviously, obviously. that's what she's named yeah. after. <laughs> or yes, maybe, obviously. or maybe like the Swift Fox. It's not a bird. Oh, that's fitting. Mm-hmm. That's really that fitting. is mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Swift Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, well, I'm trying to think. Like, I feel like a lot of people. Okay, I feel like for a lot of people, <laughs> their favorite birds are the birds that they like see the most often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So where does I don't know where Taylor Swift lives. I assume it's in Los Angeles. I don't. I don't know. Know that for a fact. I don't either. I don't but know. LA seems like a good guess. That's what we're gonna go That's with. Just funny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what? Pigeons? Decided. <laughs> so she's into pigeons and scrub jays and scrub. Oh my god. Okay. Fucking, fucking scrub jays are so cool. They are so legit. Well, Ashley gave us a whole rundown on all of the scrub jays, so you already know how cool they are. And Taylor Swift probably thinks they're so cool because she listened to our podcast. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Totally. She's one of our 35 followers on Twitter. Yeah, she is. I knew we'd get famous someday. We just need to do episodes about famous people all of the time and just at them and everything. And eventually, eventually, it's going to happen. Eventually, we'll piss someone off. And then we'll get in a Twitter feud, and it'll be fine. The path to stardom. I mean, you can become famous with bad press. Some people do it. Are you famous or infamous then? Ooh. Yeah, what's our goal? Mm. What's what's really our goal here? Asking the important questions. Either (laughs) to me. Or even neither. I don't know if I really need to be somewhere in the middle. Of any sort. Yeah. 
Somewhere between famous and infamous. (laughs) Yeah. There's a continuum there. (laughs) Like most people still don't recognize me on the street. And like one person every month might recognize me. And that's like the max that I think I could deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's my ideal level of fame. (laughs) (laughs) Do you? Yeah. Do you all think that if you just randomly walked past a famous person on the street, you would recognize them as being that famous person i saw kevin james in an airport once so what? Yeah, i'm pretty sure <laughs> really <laughs> yeah i did yeah that's cool <laughs> oh my god dog okay we'll get on with uh, it she has a lot of problems also that she would like to talk about <laughs> Piper, what are your issues nothing you're silent okay i'm going first and i have to get my appropriate tabs up okay So I figured I would give just like a little bit of an overview about Swifts. What the fuck are you? She's chasing her tail in her crate. This seems like a good like podcasting activity. Mm -hmm. Really? She's doing important dog work while you're doing important bird slash human work. Mm -hmm. I guess it just seems loud (laughs) to me. Okay. So Swifts. Um, Swifts are all in the family of a Podidae. Hey, hey, Jen. Hey, Jen. (laughs) Yeah. What does a potidae mm-hmm. mean? A potidae means no feet because a means no, <laughs> pod means feet, and idae is the suffix for families, um, like scientifically classified families. Um, oh. So they are the no feet birds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is super apt if you ever see one flying. They all have a very similar shape of like extremely long wings um, and they are like at a glance, one could compare them to swallows, but are actually swifts are actually not closely related to any passerine species, um, which is really cool. And there, could you stop chasing your tail for like literally five minutes? <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> All I need. Stop chasing your tail. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Work from home life. Yep. Oh my god. So much. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, Swifts are in the order of Aepodiformes, which just means no feet, and then formes is like the suffix for orders. Um, but they're in Aepodiformes with hummingbirds, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's also this really cool, um, clade of birds called tree swifts, which are closely related, but are from a separate family called Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to mispronounce this. Hemiprosnidae. I think it's Hemiprosnidae. Mm. Yep. Yeah, that sounds way more right than whatever the fuck I just said. <laughs> Seems legit. Uh, yeah, Hemi means half. I don't know what proc Yeah, is. I don't know. I could probably look it up, but I don't feel like it. Uh, Like, I mean, what is it? The tube nose birds are Procellara formies? Does it yeah. have something to do with their... Or I oh. guess it would be Procne, right? Because it's P-R-O-C-N. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I got nothing. I think some of the... Yeah. I was going to say swallows. I think some of the swallows, their genus is Procne. So maybe mm. it means like part swallow. I don't know. Maybe. I'm unsure. <laughs> um... But yeah, so these birds don't really perch so often as a lot of other birds, um, which is why they're like 
footless, quote unquote, or no feet. Also, birds. their feet and their legs are really itty bitty because they don't perch, so yeah. they don't need big feet or long legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who needs that junk? <laughs> <laughs> Not swifts. So, <laughs> definitely. Um, so swifts are really cool because all of them have this awesome treat where they have extended like what oh my <laughs> god this? <laughs> this dog she's on a rampage <laughs> she's legitimately just like so hyper right now okay oh, hyper hyper <laughs> ah. yep okay she's on the bed i'm gonna talk real quick okay so swifts all have this really cool thing because where their wingtip bones um are proportionally at a larger length than those of other birds, which allows them to be very dexterous and precise in their flight and also allows them to fly incredibly accurately and crazy fast. Some swifts reportedly travel up to 105 miles per hour. Whoa. Yeah. Um, Or, and like some of them, even the more common species that we like, see from our on our day-to-day lives can travel up to like 70 miles per hour wow Wow. yeah so they're really fast which helps because most swifts or all swifts excuse me are aerial insectivores which means that they catch insects in the air so you have to have very accurate flight and you also have to have very um precise flight in order to be able to catch them and which is which are actually two separate things accurate accuracy and precision Mm -hmm. are two separate Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. What are they, Jen? Um, so accuracy is the ability to aim, and precision is the ability to group. Okay. So you're accurate <laughs> if you can hit, like if you think about a bullseye target, right? If you can, if you're accurate, what you can do is you can, um, like, hit sort of in the general area of where the bullseye is. If you're precise, you can group consistently at any point on the bullseye target but it doesn't have to be the bullseye if you're Mm -hmm. accurate and precise you hit the bullseye every time so impressive it's so impressive also Um, i'm super bad at darts (laughs) (laughs) me too i am neither accurate nor precise i don't think i've ever played darts i would probably end up like throwing it backwards and stabbing someone in the face Oh, you would be really good. It's actually not so hard. It's fu- It's mostly f- just like for funsies. <laughs> okay, we got to go have dart night somewhere. Yes. <laughs> there are two more things that I want to cover about swifts in general. The first just is that um, the saliva. So swifts will build their nests by like mixing dirt and twigs and things with their saliva and then creating a nest out of that because their saliva can be like really sticky yum um and people will actually exploit that heart the hardened saliva of edible nest swiftlet and the black nest swiftlet have been used in cooking for over 400 years as a part of bird's nest soup which is really cool yeah um <laughs> and they also have thought been thought to have like aphrodisiac properties and things like that so just a little cool part about birds in some traditional forms of medicine. Yeah. They have to clean them so much, though, because birds yeah. are not clean critters, especially in the nest and the little baby ones. They just poop all over. And mm-hmm. birds have, like, mites and all sorts of 
crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, they do. Do not recommend doing that. Um, nah. The last thing that I wanted to say was that there is actually a fossilized Swift that mm. I found. It's 49 million years old. Wow. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, and it's currently in the Natural History Museum in Frankfurt, Germany. Um, and yeah, it's just like this tiny little swift that was preserved in uh, Cretaceous amber, which I guess is like a pretty like common form of preservation. Um, it's called the Lilliputian creature. What? Um, like Gulliver's yeah. Travels, Lilliputian. You know, I don't know. I don't like how small is it. Is it teeny tiny? It's the size of a modern hummingbird. Oh, oh my uh, god, that's adorable. Yeah, and its features include a jaw with sharp teeth Ooh. and oversized eyes, and it's thought to be a relative of Archaeopteryx, which is Ooh. the bird-like dinosaur that everybody sort that a lot of people sort of like associate with being the transition between like what we traditionally think of as dinosaurs and modern birds. So it's just really cool. Yeah, damn, that's sweet. So that's like a little bit of an overview of Swift, this like Swifts in general. I am going to briefly talk about one of the Swift species that we have here in Wisconsin and yeah. the eastern half of the United States called the Chimney oh, Swift. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> just fangirl on the Chimney Swift. It's fine. <laughs> Always. And um, this is just, they're just a really fucking cool bird. Um, chimney swifts are called that because they often are found nesting colonially in chimneys. So you can get like hundreds and hundreds of individual birds all nesting in the same chimney or barn. Or um, if you are not Frances Hammerstrom. She was one of the other people. Oh that yeah, we did. was it your person, Kristen? Althea. Yeah, it was Althea Rose Sherman. Yeah, or if you're Althea Rose Sherman, they just you just have a barn with some peeping tom peepholes yeah. that you can like look through and see all the chimney swifts <laughs> peeping on nesting. the swifts. <laughs> <laughs> um, these birds are so incredible. They very rarely perch, mostly to roost. Um, they're all kind of, they're kind of like all of this like really cool mouse brown and they've got a little bit of a lighter throat but they literally look like a torpedo and a cigar had a baby with like really long wings <laughs> yes. yeah <laughs> yeah when i learned um, how to identify birds we were and we taught we were taught the chimney swift the person that was teaching us was just like yeah they look like a cigar with wings <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that was how i learned totally too. um Okay, so they're an incredibly aerial bird. They fly basically all the time except when they're sleeping or nesting. One of the cool things about these birds, and potentially all swifts, but I don't know that for a fact, is that they can't perch like a normal bird. They have to like cling to the side of something mm-hmm. in order to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so they like either trees or chimneys in a lot of cases for these birds. Um they bathe in flight. Uh, they'll glide into the water and smack into the surface with their bodies, and then they like bounce up and shake off as they're flying. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, they're actually really cool to like go watch and roost because 
they'll be very active during the day and like flying around and catching a whole bunch of insects. And then during nighttime, they will all sort of come together to roost at the same time of night. And you'll just see like potentially hundreds and hundreds of species or hundreds and hundreds of individuals all coming to roost at the same time together. Mm. Um, Magic hour. Yeah. Yeah. It's so amazing. Um, But there are some events like maybe through local Audubon chapters or um, if there are any bird like related organizations near you, um, they might have what's called a swift night out where close to sunset, um, they'll take you to the location where the swifts are currently roosting and um, you can watch all of them come to roost in the evening and it's very very cool and i highly recommend it if mm-hmm. you have the chance to check it out mm-hmm. so cool oh. and sorry last last thing is because this is our taylor swift episode i did choose a song <gasps> yes <Ooh>. yes <laughs> that's right we chose songs for each of our swift species to go with taylor swift <gasps> so each each of us chose a song that that we feel identify a taylor swift song that we feel um, embodies our Swift species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I chose Trouble because by Taylor Swift because some people really do not appreciate Chimney Swift's nesting in their houses. And so I felt like that was appropriate. Yes. Yeah. I love it. What a song. Such a classic. <laughs> the goat screaming version is my favorite version. Oh I would my be lying God. if I said anything uh, else. Yes. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I'm glad you said it. I love that Um, all of the songs that we chose are ones that we definitely rock out to, like when we're on birding road trips. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Very (laughs) much. Very much. I still remember the first time. I think it was Kristen. You were like, I'm going to play this song and I don't know how it's going to go over, but we're going to try it out. On a very long road trip, and it was Taylor Swift, and all four of us just went, (laughs) (laughs) Taylor? The the sort of secret guilty pleasure. Oh, Oh, yeah. So bad. I don't even feel guilty anymore. Taylor's a fucking icon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hands down. Yeah, dude. An icon Um, for feminism. And I'm here for it. Um, But that's all I got. Awesome. Yay. I'm number two. So I'm going to talk about the white-throated swift, which is just (laughs) the, I mean, they're all freaking cool, but these guys, um, okay, so their genus is Aeronautes, which literally means sky sailor, which Ah. is just so fitting. Um, So poetic. So yeah, like Jen was saying, these little birds are some of like the most accomplished flyers in the bird world. Um, and similarly to the chimney swift, these guys are still cigar shaped. And I always think that swifts when they're flying look more similar to bats than they do to other birds. Like that's usually how I pick them out. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so white throated swifts, as their name implies, have a, so they're mostly like the color of a chimney swift, like a dark grayish black, but they have a white throat, which like continues down in like a little stripe down their belly. And it's just the cutest. And they're so agile when they're flying. It's absolutely incredible (laughs) to watch them. Uh, So they're native to like mostly rocky landscapes like canyons and like the foothills of mountains, but increasingly like also in cities in the Western United Mm. States. Um, Mm. 
And so for me, white-throated swifts are a bird that make me think of like the very brief like two months that I spent near Moab, Utah. Because every evening we would just watch them and the common nighthawks like flying around in the sky, probably on their way to their roost. Well, the swifts were on their way to the roost. The nighthawks were just like starting the party. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, just listening and watching them fly around. And they have these like kind of screechy, chattery calls that kind of sound like they're freaking out or maybe laughing. They're like maybe a little bit unhinged. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, they're just, I don't know. Whenever I think of white-throated swifts, I just immediately am transported to the Rio Mesa field station in Utah. So Mm. special place in my heart. Uh, But yeah, okay. So their range is actually all the way as far north as like interior, like very extreme southern British Columbia Hmm. um, to as far south as like Mexico and Honduras. Um, And so in the southern part of their range, like Southern California and Mexico, and then like the southern chunks of Nevada, Arizona, and New Mexico, they're resident, which means they don't migrate. But in the rest of their range, they're actually migratory, which Mm. is pretty cool. But they don't really know. Interestingly, for a species that I feel like we should know a lot about, there's still a lot of questions. So we don't know where, like we don't know very much about where wintering populations of these little guys go. Mm. but typical to most other migratory birds, they move north to breed in the spring and summer, and then they return south in the fall to somewhere. <laughs> maybe, maybe Mexico. Who knows? <laughs> Can I ask yeah. Kristen? This is like a larger question, so maybe this is not for this episode, and I apologize <laughs> if it is, and you can just tell me if it's not for this episode, but why is the migratory pattern of these commonplace birds so unknown at this point i don't know i'm not sure i mean i'm assuming just because no one has looked at it cool and i mean they are little so i mean so birds like when you're tracking a bird to put a tracker on a bird it needs to be of a certain size but in recent years trackers have gotten so small it seems like a thing also it's possible that the birds of the world account just wasn't updated and maybe there's more Mm. information out there now than Mm -hmm. there was in the article that i was checking out but yeah i mean that's how we know where most birds migrate right is either banding studies or tracking information Mm -hmm. i was thinking my my first thought was because they were so small and technology has only recently gotten small enough to where we might be able to do yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it depends yeah. on what kind of tags you want to put on. Like, um, mm-hmm. oh, Maya, you were at the uh, conference that was in Cape May a couple years ago. Did you yeah. go to the one about the, um, what were they, nano tags or life tags or something? Yeah, I think life those tags, might be like, small enough, but I I think like a yeah, radio I think they a are. radio tag might be too big, and I know mm-hmm. like a GPS, um, oh at yeah, at least traditional are GPS yeah, are, are too huge. big. Like they won't even fit. They're not even small enough for like Kirtlands, which are much bigger than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Swift, so. Yeah. so anyway, sorry. Side we were talking track. about tangent. <laughs> sorry, bird <laughs> sidetrack. <laughs> Yeah, so white-throated swifts uh, eat insects and arthropods, just like Jen said, they're aerial insectivores. Um, The Birds of the World account called their prey item uh, aerial plankton, and I was really into that. That's great. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. 
That's very accurate. Zooplankton, not phytoplankton. Yes, yes. Right. Aerial zooplankton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they spend pretty much their whole day flying and foraging on aerial plankton <laughs> and chasing one another around, and then eventually they return to the roost in the evening. Um, unlike a lot of the other swifts, they will actually follow farm machinery around Ooh. to catch flying insects, ah, which is love. something ah. that like gulls and swallows do. Um, and I've actually seen that like maybe some rails are doing that too, or just dispersing because they're scared of the things that are going <laughs> through the marsh. But anyway, yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, swifts don't usually do that. So it's kind of cool. What else? Nice. <laughs> what are you drinking, Maya? Ooh. It's not exciting. <laughs> oh, okay. Are you it's, too embarrassed? <laughs> no, I'm not. It's it's a leftover white cloth from like two months ago. <laughs> 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 that David left in our fridge. <laughs> Thanks, David. I'm glad it's not going to waste. Oh, it's not. Wait, which? Yeah. Is it the grapefruit one? No, it's lime, which Ooh. I think is the one that tastes like chapstick. They all taste like oh. chapstick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a equals chapstick. <laughs> but it's okay. I love chapstick. Were you one of those kids that would just like put no, chapstick just... on to lick it off of your lips? No. Definitely. No. I definitely no. did that. I just use a lot of chapstick. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> anyway, so, sorry, Kristen. Swifts are super sorry. social. <laughs> <laughs> nice transition. Yeah, I do what I can. So, yeah, so even during the day, these little motherfuckers will forage in groups. Um, and so actually during the breeding season, they like their chases that they usually kind of do really intensify into some really impressive like courtship falls. So two individuals will like fly up and like cling together and then they'll like oh. pinwheel for several hundred feet before they release each other just above the ground. Whoa. Which is wow. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so we still have a lot to learn about a lot of their breeding behavior, but we do know some some shit that I'm gonna lay down here for you. So with birds that uh like return to the same area to nest every year, a lot of the time we call it nest site fidelity. Like they're f- mm. Like, yeah, they'll come back to the same nest over and over. But the Birds of the World account said that this species exhibits a high degree of sight tenacity, which I feel like is next level fidelity. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to ask, what is the distinction between these two? It just seems more intense, right? I don't actually know if there is a distinction, but I think they're sort of synonyms. But the word tenacious just sounds, you know, tenacity just sounds more aggressive it's fierce yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh my god fierce is such a good word for these birds (laughs) uh but yeah so some of these white-throated swift sites have been attended by flocks for over 50 years so they've been there a long ass time through like throughout generations of these birds because i think the oldest one is only 10 years old that they've ever found so they don't Mm. live a super long time um But so these birds, as you can imagine, living like in the Southwest, they nest in like crevices in cliffs and canyon walls and like niches in large rocks. Um, (laughs) 
but they're increasingly good at nesting in human-made structures. Mm. So things like mm. freeway overpasses and bridges and like quarries or even tile roofs and like crevices and buildings or stadiums or oh, whatnot. I want swifts to nest mm. in a, yeah. my house. It's so cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they think that this ability to adapt to like human landscapes might help them kind of adapt as things progress into the future and the whole world is getting more urban, or at least in this case, the United States is getting more urban. Um, but fun fact, so because these birds were nesting in all of these like cliffs and canyon walls and like little crevices in rocks, the early collectors actually used dynamite in order to like collect the first oh. nests and eggs of the white-throated swift wow. oh my god yeah wow pretty intense wait but wouldn't the dynamite just blow apart the nest and eggs one would think or mm-hmm. even just i'm not sure how the, the adult birds. yeah i don't know how the i don't know how the logistics worked i don't think they really cared if they killed the adult birds Based on the whole shotgun ornithology, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. what solution to study birds? If you like shoved a piece of dynamite in a rock and it exploded, mm-hmm. that anything in the thing <laughs> that exploded would just be like torn to shreds, right? So if you're trying to, well, I mean, nest, I think some of the nests are like pretty far, pretty far back. They're really wedged in there. Oh, so they were just blowing <laughs> it up to try to like be able to access it. Probably, yeah, that would be my guess. Okay. Cause I was gonna say, you know those little M80s? Like they'll 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 fuck up a mailbox, but like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, not much else. Yeah, yeah. It was just a little M80. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is all so on brand for like my idea of the early ornithology explorers. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my shotgun, god, dynamite. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you? Wait, this is a side note. Have you all read of a feather? No. No. But I think uh, you've recommended it to us multiple times. Uh, it's so I good. I feel like I've heard this before. I want to reread it. We should just have book club about of a feather at some point for a mm. podcast episode because it's so freaking oh, yeah. good. Oh, my God. Scott Whedon Saul is a god. <laughs> That'd be fun. Who's a god? Scott Whedon Saul. Oh, okay. He's the author. Such a good writer oh. for context. Who's <laughs> this <Okay>. random dude? <laughs> yeah, let me just tell you about this random dude on Twitter that I have a huge crush on. <laughs> what a god! Should we tell John? No, no, it's fine. John already knows. Okay. He has a crush on him too. It's cool. <laughs> oh, then it's all good. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. So white-throated swifts nest uh like on shelves or even on like vertical or diagonal or horizontal surfaces within these crevices. Um, and let's see. They'll also use nest sites that are occupied by other bird species, including holes dug by like northern rough-winged swallows. Um, or th- nests that were constructed by cliff swallows or house finches, etc. They're not too picky, basically. Um, yeah, and so they build their nests, like Jen was saying, out of like feathers and plant material glued together with their spit. Um, and they will put in their own feathers, but they'll also include feathers of other species, and they'll gather nesting materials from up to like 10 to 12 kilometers from the nest site, which is really far to carry shit for your nest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially for such a tiny little bird. I know. Yeah. 
it's real cute i'm thinking of like monty python like swallows <laughs> carrying what was it coconuts or something coconuts. right now coconuts! <laughs> what is the air okay we're not talking about swallows but... <laughs> we're not someday <laughs> we'll do a bit next time we'll do a bit um we'll figure it out yeah we'll get our shit together <laughs> oh, okay. So fun fact about uh, birds being gross, like Ashley was talking about, and swift nests. Apparently, <laughs> white-throated swift nests sometimes get infested with bed bugs. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. There was no information no, 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 no. about how that affected the nestlings, but I can imagine it's probably not ideal. I bet it makes them really itchy. Props. Well, so I don't know about bed bugs that live in birds' nests, but... Bed bugs that live in human beds are human specific. Like they evolved mm. to feed on humans from bugs that bed bugs that fed I... on other things. I guess. I hate the idea that there's bed bugs that are specialized in feeding on me. Yeah. Well, yeah. There are, I mean, don't 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 get too grossed out, but there are mites that are specialized uh, for your eyelashes. Yep. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Fuck that idea very much. <laughs> also, you just have like there's skin mites just roaming around in like all of your hair follicles and pores. Wow. Yeah, but like I don't know. I can like I can live with that. I'm kind of okay with it. Like they're here. We're having like a. Is it a mutualism? I don't know. I don't think I'm getting any benefits from it, but whatever. Maybe. You are. You yeah. totally are. Maybe it's just that I can't see them, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so are there mites on my eyelashes right yeah. now? Like, can Is I see them? Said? No, you can't see them. I think they're, like, microscopic. Wow. Yeah. Does everyone have them all the time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're just infested with huh. little mites that live in our skin and stuff. Ah, so anytime you've ever felt lonely, you weren't alone. I mean, you had like a whole family. Millions and billions of bacteria living on you and inside of you. So, yeah, but I feel like bacteria aren't people, but mites. That's closer. That's closer to people. Like eyelash mites. Like that's fucking cute. (laughs) Like it's kind. I'm picturing them cute. Mm Hmm. Yeah, they're lime green in my mind for some reason. Oh yeah, (laughs) with like little pink, like floop. Uh, I'm almost done, I swear. So, white throated swifts lay three to six eggs. They incubate for an insanely long amount of time for such a tiny bird. Uh, They incubate for 24 days. What? Which seems intense to me. Yeah. Dude. Right? That's forever. Only incubate for 14 days. And that's actually long for a warbler. Yeah. And the kicker is that their nestlings are still altricial. What? Yeah. Really? yeah, I don't know what they're doing in those eggs. They're just like, they're just late bloomers. Hey, Kristen, what does altricial mean? Oh, yes. Okay. That's a very good question. Sorry. I used bird <laughs> jargon. So altricial, no. so <laughs> bird nestlings, when they, so when they hatch from their egg, they fall into one of two groups, um, either altricial or precocial. And like altricial are the little baby birds that are born, are born. Oh my God. They hatch from their egg with no feathers they're blind they're like completely useless they can't really do anything they can't feed themselves they can't see they can't do anything <laughs> freaking useless <laughs> they're leeches total leeches <laughs> i love 
Le- like useless versus helpless is like what's killing me right now. <laughs> yes. Oh my Some people say helpless. I apparently am evil and I say useless. <laughs> I love it. Nope. Uh, it like it okay, is. so versus precocial, which usually are things like ducks. Like they hatch from the egg and they are immediately like up and running or swimming. And usually they are covered in down and they can see. And a lot of them are very quickly able to provide for themselves food wise. So that's the rundown. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so white throated swifts are altricial, which means they're useless when they hatch. <laughs> and then they fledge <laughs> 40 to 46 days later. Wow. That's a long time. So long. I know. It's forever. Why is it so long? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Just fucking hanging out. Being useless. Just being useless leeches. I don't know. Play play video games in a basement somewhere. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When they, Seems about when right. When they fledge, they still, they're still dependent on their parents after that? or I don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. Okay. But probably. Mm-hmm. I feel like they probably have to learn to forage still. Yeah. Yeah. One would think. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine. I would think that being an aerial insectivore requires a lot of learning. Yeah. How to do that. Because that doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like an easy thing. Mm. Maybe it takes them so long to fledge because um, the more coordination that they need to be able to fly, the longer they have to stay in the nest to develop their muscles and neurons. Mm. Mm. That could be. Yeah. So like... Most of the songbirds that we're familiar with, like your northern cardinals and robins and whatever, they can leave the nest pretty young. Um, like they can't really fly when they leave the nest, and they c- but they can hop around and get into like trees and stuff. But I guess mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. have to leave the nest and be able to immediately fly right away and be able to fly well enough mm-hmm. to follow your parents and forage mm-hmm. for food, then you need to all day. Be real well <laughs> developed by the time you leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That makes okay. a lot of sense. We figured it out. Okay, last fact. Yep. Uh, <laughs> according to Breeding Bird Survey data, uh, white-throated swifts had a 2.8% annual decline between 1966 mm-hmm. and 1998. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. beyond that, it seems like populations are generally stable, but they're not really sure how they're affected by things like pesticides Um, because we don't know what the density and abundance of their aerial zooplankton looks like. (laughs) Um, They could also potentially be affected by recreational rock climbing. Mm. Um, Mm. And yeah, they're not sure how like nest success and survival in like human made structures compares to that in um, like more natural like cliffs and caves and whatnot. So Mm. Them's the facts. That's all I got. <laughs> Wait, but what what uh Taylor Swift song do they embody? Oh my god, oh, you're yeah. right. <laughs> so I chose blank space. Cause I yeah. feel like the whole attitude mm-hmm. is like live fast, like literally fast. Uh mm-hmm. potentially <laughs> potentially die live young. Swift. <laughs> yeah. Live swift, reckless. <laughs> and also they kind of look like they're wearing a little suit and tie. Yeah. And it's cute. So there you have it. The blank space Uh, birds. (laughs) I love it. Oh my God. 
so okay. cool. I'm going to take my blanket fort off because I think my computer is hot and my camera stopped working. Oh, no. Okay, sounds good. Well, I feel like this is kind of the thing about um, studying or talking about birds that are like very well known versus the species I'm going to talk about, the great dusky swift, um, which lives in four different South American countries. Seems like potentially there just isn't as much information out there about this species, which is, yeah, pretty interesting. Um, Although I think a lot of what we talked about um, generally about swifts is also true for the dusky swifts. But yeah, a little bit more cryptic. Um, Also, (laughs) I'm going to talk more about in a minute their... um, like their habitat and the places where they live. And I think they're just really like hard to study, like really live in some pretty crazy and accessible places. And so (laughs) I think a lot is assumed about them, um, but hasn't necessarily been studied for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a forest species and it forages. um, It's an aerial insectivore like other, other swifts. And so um, it actually tends to do most of its like foraging and flying um, above the tree canopy, so above these like tropical lowland forests, um, as well as just other kinds of you know temperate forest in that area, um, kind of on the edges of its range, even like really degraded former forests that have been logged and cleared and burned. Um, but yeah, they're kind of like in the airspace above the tops of the trees. Hmm. And wow. Yeah. So their their range is kind of centered on like. The confluence of Argentina, Brazil, um, Paraguay, Bolivia, which is the heart of the Atlantic Forest, um, which is a really incredible rainforest that blows my mind every time I think about it. That used to extend for like thousands of miles across so much of South America um, and has so much of it has been lost um, to like clearing and development in different ways. And so the little patch of forest left um kind of where like all of those countries come together argentina and brazil in particular like the those areas um it's kind of the heart of what's left of the atlantic forest Mm. so yeah the great dusky swift is actually pretty large for a swift and it's not it's not very like striking it doesn't have any any cool white patches any bold markings (laughs) um its face is like a little bit lighter and yeah, they look a lot, I think, like um, chimney swifts, but with like some more white um, streaky feathers and they're just overall a little bit larger. But they have that same kind of like lopsided flight um, where their wings are really fluttery, kind of like a bat almost more than a bird. And their vocalizations are short chatters and like rasping noises, <laughs> which is kind of vague, but that's honestly all I could find about this bird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mystery um but what i why i wanted to talk about them is because they nest in colonies behind waterfalls what? like just on these rock faces Ooh. yeah oh, that sounds like so expensive cool. real estate <laughs> yeah and i um a couple of years ago, I was traveling in South America and went to um, Iguazu Falls, which is like this massive waterfall 
like situation. There's just so many different waterfalls in this like horseshoe shape kind of. And so you're just like surrounded by these yeah layers of waterfalls. And it just feels really powerful. Like there's so much water everywhere that it's like scary, honestly. It's so loud. And there's these tiny little mm-hmm. swifts everywhere that are like darting in and out of the water and oh. just seem super resilient oh. and can go behind these like sheets of water um, all the way back to the rock faces where they nest um, in places that honestly are still just like soaked. Like pictures of their nests, like every, like the parents are just like oh. dripping wet. Like the chicks are like plastered in these little mud oh nests. My God. <laughs> oh. It looks gnarly. <laughs> And I couldn't find any information about how long they nest, um, how long they're, you know, incubating and then the young are um, in the nest before they fledge. But it probably is, I don't know, similar to other species. So I guess for a a fairly long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, their nests are made of like mosses, pebbles, um, mostly held together with mud and unlike other other species, they are usually nesting like right behind these waterfalls, but they can occasionally nest like out in direct sunlight, which Ooh, in a place oh. um, like um, where I was in Misiones, Argentina, that's a really, it's really hot there. And so these birds are just tough. Oh. Like they can kind of <laughs> live anywhere, it seems like. Brutal. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, it really is. Metal AF. <laughs> Um, I think the, it's generally thought that the reason that they nest behind the waterfalls in this like really intense kind of dangerous habitat is because they're so protected from predators. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. although I couldn't find any information about like what exactly their predators would be. Um, so I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if it's like mammal predators or, um, avian predators that they're hiding from there. How? Can you imagine how fast you would have to be to predate on swifts? Yeah, one of the ones I was reading about for the white-throateds was peregrine falcons, of course. Uh, Oh, my God, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the other thing, too, I was trying to find, actually, there's a few people who somehow managed to, like, climb up to these waterfalls and get really cool videos um, of the birds, like, flying in and out and going to their nests. But I was trying to find one of... uh, when the chicks fledge, and this is kind of what we were talking about before, so not only do they have to, like, leave the nest and be able to hunt for themselves and um, be pretty adept at flying, they also have to just fly, like, out from behind this waterfall oh, out into uh. the world. <laughs> yeah, the thing I, oh my the article I was reading was kind of cool. It was talking about how um, they don't know what's beyond the waterfall, obviously, for the whole yeah, time fuck they're yeah. in the nest there. Like, that's mm-hmm. their whole world is, like, this rock wall Ugh. and this sheet of water. And so how cool that must be to, like, you know, eventually yeah. make it out of there and realize... Yeah, and at that point, this... there's not really any turning back, like... Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Beautiful and sad at the same time. Yeah, yeah. God, I feel like I would become like immediately agoraphobic. Like, oh shit, the oh. world is actually <laughs> way huger than I realized. Mm-hmm. So, Kristen, you're over there agoraphobic, and I'm just like, Ariel, like a whole new world. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't I guess I don't know like how how they perceive the world, but you would think like being yeah. close to that amount of water, like you can just kind of sense that there's like this huge thing nearby even if all you see is your little patch of mm-hmm. of waterfall yeah, absolutely <laughs> that's true yeah it's a really mind-blowing place 
Um, yeah, there are a couple like really funny, I thought, um, notes about like directions for future research and more information that's needed. And they were all just like, yeah, so little is known about these birds. And a lot of it kept coming back to like needing to know more about their nesting behavior and like the growth rate of the chicks and all of these things that seem impossible to study if you're having to like <laughs> somehow be like stationed behind a waterfall to find out. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But despite like so many knowledge gaps, um, that seem to exist for this species. It seems like they're actually doing pretty okay. They're at least are listed um, on the IUCN red list as least concern because um, they do have these really big colonies kind of scattered throughout the Atlantic forest um, along major riverways. And that is, that is one conservation note I did actually find for them is that um, any kind of like damming of rivers that interferes with the water flow over these, these waterfalls um, is really problematic because um, it gets rid of that nesting habitat. But, um, and yeah, that's been held responsible for like local extinctions in a few places where rivers have been dammed. But in general, people tend to be like really focused on waterfalls because they're so cool. Mm -hmm. um, just they're as beautiful. like, yeah, as places to visit and for so many other species. So yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's good news for the dusky swift. Um, but after like, seeing them and just flying around through this water and then like so far above the forest canopy in the rainforest um the taylor swift song that comes to mind for me is <laughs> <laughs> is shake it off <laughs> <laughs> it was the only real option <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that's beautiful Ugh. <sighs> <sighs> So yeah, that's the great dusky swift. What a good <laughs> bird. Yes. Okay. Um so I am going to talk about the whiskered tree swift. It's not an actual yes. swift <laughs> um in the family of Podiformes or order of Podiformes. It's in um, it's actually in Capromulgiformes, which is the same order oh. that has like um, whippoorwills and nightjars. Widow. Yeah, getting there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, so they're in Capromulgiformes, and then their family name, which Jen mentioned earlier, is Hemiprochnidae. Um, and I looked it up, and okay, let me open this here. I have it on my phone. Um, so, Procne is an ancient Greek um, figure in Greek mythology. And basically, she was the daughter of a queen and she married this king. Or she was the daughter of a king and married another king. And basically, her husband uh, was a horrible person and raped her sister and then tried to murder them. Um, anyways, the gods were like, no, we're going to help you escape by turning you into a swallow and then the sister into a nightingale. So, Procne, um, there's some swallow genera that have Procne as, um, part of their genera name and then tree swifts also have that as part of their name. Hemiprocne means sort of like half swallow. Mm. Um, so yeah, 
that's a fun little side note. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know how like if you have like acne on your back, it's backne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would crockne be? <laughs> Prostate acne, obviously. It's what? <laughs> Prostate acne. Oh no, the worst acne. I was like proboscis acne. No, I don't know. We're talking. We're talking human anatomy. I know. I know. I know. I don't have a proboscis. Yeah, that we know of. We might evolve them. (laughs) It could happen. Never know. Never know. That'd be a good project. Let's work on that. <laughs> no, I'm good. Anyway, I like sorry. Tasting my food with my tongue. That's in my mouth. <laughs> and anyway, anyway whiskered T Swifts. Um, I picked them because they're cute looking. Um, yes. they're sort of fabulous looking, actually. They have yes. these like amazing white. Uh, whiskers that go all the way from their bill and over their eye and like out the back of their head and then they also have them going from the bottom of their bill like a mustache going all the way to the back of their head and then they've got like a glossy shiny blue blue black um, like wings and head and they've got very long wings and sort of a forked tail um yeah, I just think they're real cute. Um according to eBird, mm-hmm. they have elongated white whiskers and brows giving this elegant species the appearance of a wise old man. <laughs> oh. Okay, but also from straight on they look real grumpy. Uh-huh. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, oh, so cute. They're real cute though. So um, cute. They have a long tail and long wings. They sort of look like a cross between a swift and a swallow. Um, let's see. They're aerial insectivores. Um, but these ones do perch. And their sort of form of foraging is that they'll sit on on an exposed perch and then fly out um, and catch an insect and then like come back to their perch. Oh, like flight Yeah, so they'll like. sally. Um, that's what oh, that whole movement yes. is called. <laughs> um, and they live in like clearings in lowland and foothill wet forests in um, like Malaysia, Singapore, the Philippines, um, that sort of area of the world. They are apparently of least conservation concerns, so there's a lot of them, I'm guessing. (laughs) Um, Valid. um, In some spots, they also will live in, like, tall mangroves. They're pretty sedentary, so they don't really do any migrations or other sort of, like, long-distance moving and breeding pairs will remain in their nesting territory year-round. They're less gregarious than even other tree swift species. Um, usually you only see them in pairs or alone, um, but sometimes you can mm-hmm. see them in groups of up to six birds. Whoa! Whoa! So, uh, so many! Yeah. Introverted, I see. 
quite <laughs> <Yeah>. introverted. <laughs> so wait, Ashley, did you already say where they actually nest? Because I was looking at some Google images just as you were talking, and like, there looks like their young are on like these tiny branchlets. Um, so their nest is a half saucer of hardened saliva that incorporates feathers. Um, basically oh. on Ooh. the upper surface of a thin exposed branch. Huh. And they keep building the nest after they lay the eggs. <laughs> what? <Wow. laughs> <laughs> like, I've got a saucer! Here's the cup! I'll keep building the saucer afterwards. Yeah, so I think they, like, start building it, and then they lay the eggs, and then they, like, keep building the sides i guess i don't know (laughs) that's how i would build a nest like oh shit i meant to finish that i'll just finish it now i guess Mm -hmm. yeah i'm still working (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Uh, getting it done there's not like a lot known about the like incubation or um like how long it takes for chicks to leave the nest in this one instance someone noted that eggs hatched um, before day 21 and that the chick was flying after day 28 which seems very short dang Um, huh wow seven days but then it goes on to say giving a total development time of probably not less than 50 days so I'm thinking oh. that 21 days for incubation oh. and then 28 days after that for fledging. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that makes more that sense. Makes that was like, sense. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, I was ready to be very confused. Sometimes birds of the world doesn't make elaborate sentences. They just put the bare bones information in. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and then the juvenile might be fed for up to three weeks after leaving the nest. Lazy. <laughs> Good for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now on this useless train that Kristen has started. <laughs> baby birds are mooches and I'm not over I it. I mean, yeah, baby humans are too. Truth. Totally. Maybe even worse. Yeah, I mean, we have yeah. so many years. Mm-hmm. 18 anyway what else yeah so they're not globally threatened they're reported as common in most parts of their range yes Um, they're most associated with like sort of original uh forest that hasn't been like cut or logged um but they are able to exploit edge that's created by selective logging. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's sort of all I had about whiskered tree swifts. There are some other tree swifts in the same family, and they're all pretty cute. There's four species <laughs> in Aww. the same genera. Um, there's, um, I think one of them is <laughs> a crested tree swift. Let me see. Of Aww. course. I hope it has the sickest little mohawk. Yes. <laughs> it has a little crest and it's cute and they have a little black bandito mask. Oh! Uh, they're real cute. And then there's die. a gray rumped tree swift. 
and they're also very cute. Um, the whiskered tree swift and the mustached tree swift, which is the one I was going to do originally. Um, it actually looks fairly similar to the whiskered tree swift, um, but I couldn't find as much mm-hmm. information about it. Last question, Ashley, is what Taylor Swift um, song That's a good question. I was trying to think of one. Um, and now I don't remember. I looked at so many of the like songs. Um, oh no! So part of me was thinking, um, with the story of Procne, that um, <laughs> no body, no crime would be a fitting one. Oh, because basically, her horrible yeah. husband was like, "If I murdered them, they can't tell anyone." That I was a horrible person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dude. That's, yeah. Fuck that's yeah. That's fitting. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. You took it there. What a yep. place to end it. <laughs> oh my God. I was thinking style because they Ooh, just yeah, look so that would be like, a good one. Amazing. Okay. That's probably less <laughs> d- depressing. No, I like the murdery one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no body, no crime is so fitting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think your your instincts are spot on here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With an honorable mention for style. I mean, all the Swifts have style. It's you true. Can't really attribute yeah. style to any You're one right. Swift. Right. Uh, um, I didn't have a lot. I, there's just not a lot of information about them, at least in Birds of the World, and I really only picked mm-hmm. them because they're cute. I didn't have any good stories to go along with that, but that's valid. It's a solid reason to pick any. I bird, mean, they though. just have these great eyebrows and mustaches. It's great, <laughs> <laughs> making them look like wise old men. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <gasps> okay. Um, so thank you for listening to our Taylor Swift honorary Swift episode. Retweet us at Taylor Swift, please. I would love to get acknowledgement from Taylor Swift. (laughs) Oh, dreaming big. (laughs) I just want to know what her favorite bird is for real, though. I bet it's a duck. Oh, I bet it's some kind of duck. Like a a cute little yellow duck. Yeah. Yeah. Like a baby duck. (gasps) Oh. Indian runner ducks just got nominated for domestic bird of the year. So. Oh, nice! Those are pretty yeah. goofy. Mm-hmm. They they're they so goofy. weird me out just a little bit because they're so vertical. Yeah, ducks are them. not supposed to look like that. No, they are, and they're so cute. <laughs> like they look like sort of like bowling pins. Like they look like they should just fall over. It makes me so happy. Yeah. Wait, they really do look like bowling pins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So we have some shout outs this week. Um, shout out to uh, HS Satyas Chandra Sagar or at Sagar underscore HSSC on Twitter. Thank you. To- he was on our show last week. He was. Thank you, Sagara, for retweeting us and being on our show last week. Um, yes. Thank you to Ellie Bladen or at Eleanor underscore Bladen on Twitter. Yay! Thank you to our good friend, Birdoge de la Mondo, or at Birdnomoj. And a big thank you on both Instagram and Twitter to Hans Ahastin. 
or at ah, Hans. <laughs> oh my god, she's the fucking best. <laughs> or at Mo underscore Navajo on Twitter and on Instagram. I love you, Hans. Hans. Oh wait, wait. How do you pronounce their name, Kristen? Because I feel like I did it wrong. She pronounces it Hans. Okay, Hans Austin. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, uh, so they are at Mo underscore Navajo on Twitter, and they are at HLA Hostine on Instagram. I, like, grew up with that. So Hans is my best friend from high school, Haley's auntie, and she's, yeah, Aww. the whole family is just amazing. But, yeah, Hans was really excited when she learned we had a podcast this week. <laughs> well, <laughs> she followed us on Instagram and Twitter, so. Yeah. Um, yay. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for listening. Yes. <laughs> I've been helping get her daughter into birds, and her favorite bird currently is a blue jay, and Aww. it breaks my heart. It's so sweet. I mean, I didn't really help get her into birds. She was already into birds, and they just told me, and then I was excited about it. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thank you, everybody, on Instagram and Twitter for liking our stuff and retweeting us and adding us in your hashtags. Um, we so, so appreciate everything that you all do. Um. And we do this for you. So, <laughs> yeah. All 35 of you. All 35 of you. It might be more than that now on Twitter. It might at least. be. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Might be 37, hey? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Woo. Checking. Damn. Um, but if you want to have a shout out of your own, you should interact with us. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing this part because I never do this part. <laughs> Because I do the I shout like outs. I feel like I did it last week. Someone else should. You've do done it. it for the last two weeks, Kristen. <laughs> Boom! Someone else do it. I'm off the hook. Um, we're at Flagtail <laughs> Hour on all of the things: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the social medias. And we are. Where's our Where's our website, Ashley? Flagtailhour.com, and you can find us on Threadless and buy some of our cool merch at. Uh, uh, our Threadless shop, which is at Flocktails, and our Gmail account, which is um, flocktailspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, so get in touch with us one of those ways, and we will give you... If you send us an email, we will flip our lids and give you such a shout yes. out. <laughs> <laughs> we will rearrange the words and make it into a poem and read it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> for, the episode. for the entire episode <laughs> Kristen I'm signing you up for that <laughs> I will promise to do it that's the best oh my god hell yeah let's make some email poems <laughs> yes <laughs> um, but thanks everybody for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode my name is Jen Schneiderman I'm Kristen Brunk I'm Maya Pershing and I'm Ashley Ola We'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.